Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Jacob Pritchard. Jacob Pritchard is a commercial and editorial photographer based in New York City. He has worked with clients such as Adidas, The New York Times, Google, and Marriott, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Jacob about a recent assignment for The New York Times, where he's been doing virtual photo shoots via FaceTime and webcams, um, basically just during this COVID um, pandemic, um, this kind of interesting approach to portraiture. I also speak to him about how he got his start in the business, how he approaches advertising work, and how he kind of markets himself, and much, much more. Um, Jacob's been in the business for a while and uh, has a lot of uh, advice to offer. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy it. And thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, uh, Jacob Pritchard, welcome to the podcast, man. Uh, how you doing today? I'm doing well, uh, all things considered. We're, um, as you know, we're kind of in the midst of the coronavirus lockdown. Um, so it's been an unusual time uh, for all of us. But um, the family's healthy and, and we're doing well. So definitely good, all things considered. How are you good? I'm good, and and you're in New York. You're based in New York City, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it must have been pretty been pretty scary the last couple of months um, with everything going on. Um, like, how's your mindset been? Like, what have you been doing with your time with everything? Have you still been working at all, or what's kind of been your day to day the last um, since everything's been going on? I guess. I would say for me, it shifted. I think kind of early on. Uh, there, there was a lot of just backlog of all that, you know, just business stuff <laughs> that, that we all have to deal with, but that always gets put off, um, as the lowest priority, just silly things like bookkeeping, taxes, all that. Um, so the beginning I, I spent really focusing on that. And, and once I kind of had cleared a lot of that backlog of boring work, um, there was still a lot of, we were still well into the lockdown and it didn't seem like the end was in sight um so i started um you know doing these kind of virtual shoots shooting with people over facetime or you know using other kind of uh technology to do that um i've also been creating some work um in my house just kind of like test work essentially um and that has so i'm actually today working uh with the new york times uh on some portraits that they're doing um, to the newspaper, uh, so that all, that did kind of formulate into to some actual gigs at the moment, um, and that's actually been uh, quite a fun experience as well. So, so will you be with the New York Times assignment? Are you going to be going like on location, photographing people, or what? What's the? Uh, how are you approaching that? Is there any difference with everything going on, or? Yeah. So for this particular one. Um, we, and now it's, so the story is about, um, unemployment and the unemployment numbers. Yeah. Um, and so I think part of kind of the conceit of how we're approaching it is to shoot everything, um, virtually. Um, so using zoom using, I'm doing a lot of, um, using kind of framing whoever I'm shooting with framing up their camera, but then having them shoot in like a timer mode. Uh, it's been interesting to to, to kind of figure out the technology and, and figure out how you can make the best possible pictures uh, with whatever device someone happens to have with them in their quarantine. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I'm seeing uh, uh, like a bunch of different photographers have been doing these virtual shoots. I'm always interested how people approach it because it's like, as you know, as a photographer, especially when you go on location, usually you have like the freedom to kind of like explore, check out the space, see if this room will work or if this room's better. Like when you're photographing someone virtually, like how do you approach it? Do you kind of ask them to like find a window or give them a tour? have them give you a tour of their home over their phone or whatever it may be or how do you kind of approach these shoots i guess yeah that's fully part of it i think early on i i essentially just ask for a tour of their space yeah um and yeah it's interesting i mean as i'm you know i'm sure you know a lot of these kind of like location portrait shoots is like moving furniture and and stuff like that and yep it's awkward because I'm essentially have to ask them, <laughs> yeah. to, uh, you know, I'm like, Oh, this would be a great angle, but could you move your bed and that table? Um, I've definitely had people doing like who are accommodating enough to, to do some like pretty significant furniture moves and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, just one element that makes these definitely a, a different experience and a different approach. And with the New York, have you shot any of the, the New York times, uh, portraits yet? Yeah, I um, I just wrapped the third one uh, earlier this morning, and, and it looks like we've got a, a couple more on deck today. That's another interesting part of it is you can you can knock out several uh, yeah. in a day, which is obviously not the the case when you're working more, you know, going to a location. And how do you find the experience? Because like as you know, being a portrait photographer, a big part of the job is like being able to connect with your subject. And I mean, sometimes it can be hard enough when you're in person with somebody. Um, uh, how difficult is it trying to connect with someone who you've never met? And especially with a, with a, with an assignment like that, where it's just like a, it's, everyone's, it's about unemployment. So it's like a stressful time to begin with. Um, how has the experience been able to like connect with someone virtually? Um, Cause there's with, as you know, there's kind of a disconnect via computer or phone or what have you, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, it's interesting that one thing that is funny to me is just how different every one of these is mm -hmm. um, in maybe a different way than I think when you go on location, you kind of have your normal setup and your assumptions of how you work. There's maybe a little bit more uh, – Kind of, of a regular outcome, a regular relationship with your subject. Yep. Um, but like, for example, um, the one I shot just this morning, um, it was a guy who'd been quarantining alone. Um, and it seemed like he just had plenty of time to chat. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, yep. I think we went probably uh, two and a half or three hours. Um, and it seems crazy because in the end, we only got, it, it's also much slower to set each one of these up and you're kind of dealing with technical limitations too. Yeah. So we only shot in three hours, maybe, uh, three, maybe four, you could consider it setups. Yep. Um, but in a way I feel like we can, you know, he was down to chat. I was down to chat. Yeah. Um, we're kind of in this shared experience. So in some weird ways, um, there, there can be more of a connection. Yeah. Um, and another experience up at Alley that I had recently that I found interesting is that it was, this was a test shoot, um, an agency connected me with a model 
and she was quarantining with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, okay, well, why don't I just have my boyfriend, you know, hold the phone? Um, and I found that to be interesting too, because I'm kind of in the, like, there are these two people who are very comfortable and intimate and know each other really well. And I'm kind of inserting myself in between them. But yeah. I feel like in some ways that led to like, a, you know, we're shooting in her home essentially, um, but led to a comfortable situation for her yep. that might not have been the same if I had just showed up, uh, you know, with a camera to do a test shoot in her house. So that was, a, that was another shoot that you were doing virtually? Yeah, exactly. So I also, uh, when I started kind of thinking about what I could do creatively and just to keep keep moving, yeah. <laughs> really, I reached out to some um, model agencies and asked if they had uh, any people who wanted to test. And I just shot, I've shot only one of those so far, but it looks like I have a few other ones on the radar as well. Wow, man. I, I like it, man. You're, you just, you're not slowing up at all. He's kind of getting after it. Um, is that this, cause like, as you know, like a lot of photographers aren't working, um, as it's just been this kind of good for your mental health, I guess, just to kind of keep chugging along. Yeah, I would say so. 100%. I mean, these are really enjoyable experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and it's funny too, cause to be honest with you, I felt like I saw some people who were just, you know, a week or two into lockdown and already producing, you know, relevant work yep. or even marketing about what they could do, you know, what kind of stuff they could shoot, in, you know, while in quarantine. Um, and I honestly, I felt like it took me a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's interesting too, because I mean, so what day? Today is May uh, 6th. 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 May 6th. Yep. Um, so, you know, as people listen to this in the future, um, we'll see how long we remain uh, mm-hmm. locked down. But I know parts of the country are already listening it now. Um, so I almost feel like I have all this work that I can say, here's something we can create, you know, yeah. that's yeah. interesting in these circumstances. But I would imagine most agencies and, and publications are, are kind of seeing the end in sight and not really that interested in pursuing a shit like this. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because even um, talking to Amy, um, the art producer I had on uh, last week, who you, who you know, and she works with ad agencies primarily and uh, corporations and whatnot. And it was just kind of interesting hearing her perspective about how even I think things are going to open up. It's going to be slow for a while because all these big companies and agencies have to f- find new protocols and procedures via safety, as well as I didn't even really think about it, but like getting insurance for a lot of these shoots because as you know with the commercial stuff it's like some of these shoots can be 20 30 plus people on a shoot so it's going to be i don't know what are you kind of anticipating for the rest of the year i mean i guess it's no one really knows but what are you kind of game planning for i guess i honestly have no idea yeah um i do know that um many of the producers you know that that i work that i would collaborate with um, on a commercial job mm-hmm. they have their heads much more in that game yeah um and i mean i think there was a point where i thought i thought to myself well i should really get on top of like what are the protocols going to be yeah uh you know how are we going to facilitate that but at the end of the day i haven't 
gone too in depth into that because I think on a shoot like that, mm-hmm. you know, ideally your producer is the one really taking the lead on it. Yeah. And I think all those producers are trying to figure that out for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. At this point in time. Yeah. No one knows. I think it's just gonna. I think it's just gonna be a slow process, probably. Um, and another thing, I've just been talking to like a bunch of my friends who are photographers and stuff. Um, like, what's your approach to like marketing? Like, have you still been marketing your work to clients during this period? Are you reaching out to like new clients, or just trying to keep in contact with people that you already work with? Um, what's kind of been your approach so far? I guess. So I have the work that I've been creating now. Um, I have been sharing out pretty quickly, um, just you know, like email blast kind of stuff, some personal emails as well. Um, and I think that I mean part of kind of my message when when I send this stuff is a just like hey, it's crazy times. Yeah. Here's one thing I'm doing to to try to just keep creative and keep moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, hopefully, you know, like some of my earlier virtual shoots, they, they turned into at least this New York Times project. Yep. Um, I have had a few other people in touch for like similar potential kind of things. Um, but also, I hope, you know, hopefully just to keep um, my name kind of at the top of people's minds. Yep. Um, but then there's also work that uh, I, you know, created maybe, you know, in the two, three months before or that, that still hadn't really rolled out even before the quarantine started. Mm-hmm. And I am, I've actually started kind of prepping that stuff, yep. laying out some postcards, kind of thinking about what the email, emails will look like. Yep. Um, but I'm going to, I'm kind of trying to stockpile that and wait until things pick up again. Yep. Because um, it just feels kind of like a weird time to just send, a, you know, a promotional thing with no reference to what we're, we're all living through at this point. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I think, yeah, it's kind of good to hear your approach. Yeah, because I was kind of going through the same thing. Like, I shot this project, and I was just like, I don't know. It's like, do I, if I send this, it's kind of like tone tone deaf during the situation. So, yeah, i kind of been doing the same thing, just kind of like, just kind of sitting on a bunch of stuff and uh, probably just release it later, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, was, this, was your project, it was something you had shot in the parameters of quarantine or, or before that? No, nah, it was like right before. And I was like, when I shot it, I was like, all right, like I'm going to, I got done with it. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to um, put it together, throw it on my website uh, and kind of send it to people. But I haven't done any of that yet. Cause like you're saying, I was just like, eh, I think I'll just wait. Cause there's really no point to put it out right now, I guess. Or, but who knows? Maybe, yeah. I, maybe I'm wrong. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> And I, well, and I also think that there's a time in the hopefully pretty near future yep. when all the gears start turning and the art buyers and the photo editors mm-hmm. start kind of opening up their Rolodexes. Yep. Um, and that is a great time to be hitting them uh, with work of whatever yep. variety. And so it's nice to kind of hold that, hold that. That's what I'm doing, too, is kind of holding it in reserve. Because mm-hmm. um, that's the other thing. If I sent it all out in the last, you know, two, three, four weeks ago, um, I wouldn't really have anything <laughs> fresh to share with them uh, when things do get rolling again. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, and I guess to go back, like, I was just kind of curious, like, how you got into photography originally? Like, where'd you grow up and how'd you kind of initially get into um, shooting photos? So I grew up in Colorado. Um, 
I went I went to the University of Colorado for school mm. uh, and started in their journalism program. Yep. And I had early on, I think my sophomore year, um, I had a class with a photojournalism professor. His name is Kevin Maloney. Shout out to him. He's still, still doing it. Nice. He's a really good guy. Um, and he just really, he was also, he is and was um, shooting for the New York Times at the time and just really inspired me that the things that I wanted to be a journalist for um, just, you know, at that time, I, I think I did have a different outlook on what photography would be for me, but just, you know, the opportunity to, to learn things and go out and explore the world um, and really seeing what he was doing and how he approached photography uh, definitely was a big inspiration. So that kind of turned into, uh, I did some internships. I interned in Colorado at the Denver Post and the Rocky Mountain News. Wow. Um, I came, uh, I think you know, I think you've chatted about this on your previous podcast. I came to the Eddie Adams workshop. Oh, yeah. Um, and you, have you been? No, I've never been. I applied once, but I didn't get in, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like an amazing experience. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was for me, and also kind of a, something that led me along the way. Um, so I went to that, I guess, in like 20... When would that have been? Um, 05 or something. God, oh. so long ago. Okay. Um, but that was a time... So I was in journalism school um, and, at the time. And when you're, like you're saying you're going for journalism, like did you think you were going to be a writer? Or at that point, were you already taking pictures? Or was like photography something that came later for you? Yeah, I... I think when I picked my major uh, freshman year, I thought I was going to be a writer. Okay. Um, and I, everyone, I think the kind of path they put you on um, is, you know, you'd write for, you'd start out writing for a small newspaper out of school, and if you were pretty good at it, you'd kind of go to a, a bigger newspaper, and if you were really great, you'd end up, you know, writing for the, the LA Times or the New York Times or something like that, or maybe going to magazines or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it was, I think, what inspired me in part was taking that photo, those photojournalism classes, um, and then just get, you know, I shot for the school newspaper, um, just really enjoying um, making pictures um, mm. and, and doing it at the internships as well. Yeah, and like you were mentioning, the Eddie Adams workshop seemed like it was a good experience for you. Um, what about that experience kind of uh, helped you out, I guess? So for me, I think what the, the real formative thing was, um, so going, so 2005, um, we, like, was a weird time for journalism. Um, I was, you know, pretty excited to be a photojournalist yeah. and was kind of on the track with my school um, to, to work in newspapers. Yeah. Um, and so this, so Eddie Adams workshop is very, um, as you probably know, but mm. if your listeners don't, yeah. um, it's very kind of journalistic focused workshop. Mm -hmm. um, so they definitely have people from kind of all genres and fields of photography. Um, but it's pretty heavy on the photojournalism side. Yeah. Um, 
and so, you know, you go out there, you shoot um, a small project, but you also have your portfolio, which you're showing to photo editors and magazine editors and people like that. Um, and I just remember the every newspaper photo editor that I like talked to or showed my book to um, just seemed to be very doom and gloom about uh, the industry yeah. and their prospects and what was happening. Um, but I just had this feeling that the, the folks who were in New York, the, the professional photographers who came to be a part of the workshop, even the magazine editors who were in New York, mm-hmm. uh, seemed to be a lot more excited and optimistic uh, and jazzed yeah. <laughs> about what was going on. <laughs> and so that was an inspiration to me um, that right out of college I moved to New York. Mm. Um, and also I think w- was kind of starting to see um, that shooting for newspapers was a tough Road. a tough market to be in um, and, and kind of already even by the time I landed in New York, I think I, I was kind of looking for other ways to work in photography other than as a newspaper photojournalist. Yeah, it's interesting to hear, yeah, because like looking at your website or your Instagram these days, I would I would never suspect you're like a photojournalist so much. Um, so when you get to New York, uh, what was kind of your next step? Like you said, it sounded like you kind of moved on from the newspaper route. Um, what was kind of your next step into the photo world, I, I guess? So I had I actually had a great introduction to photography in New York in that, uh, so there was a, a website, uh, this was like pre-Airbnb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny to think how different <laughs> the world was in some ways. Yeah. Um, but there was a website called Couchsurfing. Okay. Um, and I had been, I had spent a bunch of time traveling with one of my best friends in Brazil. Um, and we did a lot of Couchsurfing, which was, um, as you can imagine, it's essentially a website that connects people who are travelers, like-minded, uh, people who want to, out of the goodness of their hearts, host the travelers, you mm. know, and, and provide them with inexpensive accommodations. Yep. So I was pretty familiar with that website. And when I decided to move, you know, I came to New York literally with just like a suitcase and, and my camera bag. Wow. Um, and some mo- some money saved up, not a lot, but yep. you know, enough to get by. But kind of right before I came, um, I thought, hey, why don't I just see if I can get a, a spot to crash for the first week, uh, you know, through couchsurfing before I kind of find a lease or something like that. Yep. Um, and I ended up connecting with a guy uh, who worked in the equipment room at Neo Studios. Yep. Uh, I, they, I think they're not around anymore, but they were just kind of one of the fashion studios uh, in Soho. Um, and so that was when I arrived, he said, Hey, why don't you, you know, I'm not at home now. You can come by the studio, drop off your bag, uh, and then come back later today and we'll go back to my place in Queens. Um, and so I walked in, you know, fresh off the airplane. Uh, and I remember they had a Nautica swimwear shoot going on. So there was, you know, like models and their swimwear, their robes, hair and makeup. Yeah. And it was just such a funny you know, I, you know, young kid who had been so obsessed about photography and read all the, you know, Robert Capo books and Henri Cartier-Bresson books, and I thought I knew all there was to yep. know about photography, but it was just like an entire different world uh, that opened in front of my eyes. Mm. Um, so that was, that was 
Yeah, I don't know. That was my story of uh, yeah. That's, that's that's amazing, man. It takes some guts. It's like going to some city like you never lived in before, and then you just like hit up some random person, some stranger, and you just like crash on their couch, man. It's pretty amazing. Um, it, it just goes to show if you kind of put yourself out there, like moving to somewhere new, stuff can happen. I guess. Yeah, totally. And I think, I mean, it, it, I think it also came from, sorry, there's something going on with my neighbor. No, no worries. Moving rooms here. Sorry yeah. about that. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I was a, I was a very kind of scrappy, uh, had a scrappy mindset mm-hmm. towards, towards life and, and living, uh, especially in those college days. So I, I think it made it easy for me uh, to come to New York with not not too many resources and kind of try to figure out how I'd make it work from there. And, and once you got there, did you kind of, did you go to the assisting route or did you just go straight into trying to show your work and get uh, assignments or what was kind of your next step once you got to New York? So it was, it was a mix of, um, I was definitely showing my book from, from early on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, so that was another, the guy who hosted me, um, he, made the great recommendation of trying to work in an equipment room at a studio. Yep. Um, so he just gave me, it was one of those like PBN used to have these like studio rental guides. Oh, yeah. Um, I think they put them out once a year and it literally had a map of like Chelsea with where all the studios were. Um, so I just like took the train to Chelsea and like had a printed out resume um, and walked into photo studios and, and tried to, you know, gave him my resume, tried to figure out if I could work there. Yeah. Uh, and ended up from that, um, doing several, and it was funny too, cause again, you know, I thought I knew everything there was to know about photography, but I had no idea, you, you know, how these pro photo packs worked and, and the, everyone was kind of shooting on RZs, uh, Mumia RZs with digital backs. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of had you know a little fake it till you make it uh, <laughs> into uh, <laughs> even getting a job in an equipment room. Yeah. Um, but did some worked for a while at drive-in studios, um, and then also um, worked a bunch at Hudson Studios over in the Startley High building. Yeah, it is really a smart thing to do because, like you said, you can learn the gear, but then you also just meet so many different people. And I, I have friends who work at have worked at Root Studio in Brooklyn, and it seems like a pretty good place to work because it's like a lot of people are doing the same thing. They're like trying to make a couple bucks working there, but then they're also trying to work on their own work. And everyone kind of this like it seems like from talking to some other people, it's like they'll trade shifts like if i get an assignment you get someone to cover for you and then you're just kind of building a little bit as you go yeah fully it was such a great place to be in and i think especially back then i think things are a little bit different now Mm -hmm. in terms of just access to information online and like how much you can learn on YouTube or something like that yeah but even i remember you know one of the things we would do uh, is if there was a multi-day shoot and a photographer was in the studio uh, overnight, we would go in and just inventory the equipment, make sure nothing had like yep. walked off during the shoot. Mm-hmm. And even just seeing how they had set up their lighting was yep. like so insanely educational to me. 
uh, in a way that you know maybe now it would be so much so much easier to figure that stuff out on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but that there was definitely a lot of I think positives that came out of that experience. No, it's awesome. And like, did you kind of what kind of work were you working on for yourself at that point? Like looking at your website, like you have like some fashion stuff, lifestyle. Um, did you kind of have a goal moving forward for the type of work you wanted to do once you kind of got to New York? Yeah, I would say when. So at that stage, when I was still like working in the equipment rooms and assisting, um, I was very editorially driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, you know, I shot a handful of stuff uh, for the Village Voice, which right. was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did. Uh, so their food critic Robert Getsema, um, who wrote some really great columns, um, but they had a funny scenario where he would review. He would write the reviews anonymously. Yeah. Uh, so he'd go into the restaurant uh, and, you know, probably go several times and, and order the food just so he's getting a real mm-hmm. understanding of how the average person would have an experience there. Um, and the voice would just call me and say, here's the restaurant <laughs> you're shooting. Uh, so I'd usually just show up and, and kind of surprise them to let them know that they were going to be in the village voice uh, and, and see what we could do from there in terms of photography. And what kind of stuff were they having you shoot like food or is it more this kind of photographing the environment or portraits or what, what was kind of some of those assignments? It would end up being, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like I did not have a ton of uh, editorial direction mm-hmm. going into them. Um, I think it would be kind of a mix of just trying to tell a story of the restaurant. Yeah. Um, so especially if, you know, I ended up at a restaurant that was excited for me to be there. Uh, maybe they would plate some dishes for me. I could shoot that kind of stuff. Um, just, you know, environmental images that just show the space. Um, trying to shoot kind of editorial images of maybe the chefs or the people who work there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really varied. I mean, it was interesting, too, because he he was very into even just like, you know, the very hole-in-the-wall kind of spots. Um, so I'd show up at places here in New York where there, like, there was a complete language barrier where no one in the restaurant, you know, even spoke English. Yeah. So I'd be, I, I remember one, uh, in particular where I had to like run out good on, this was when there were still village voices of, you know, the boxes with a a newspaper on every corner. And I like brought one back to try to explain to them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. this is where I was from, and, <laughs> and that's why I wanted to take pictures. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And, like, did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your voice as a photographer? Um, like, what you actually wanted to, like, start uh, marketing your work towards? Like, looking at your website now, it seems like you have a pretty clear vision of what you like to shoot. Um, but is that something that kind of took you a while to kind of figure out? I would say so. I mean, and also, I would say that I think... I'm st- I feel like I do have an idea of generally what my viewpoint is as a photographer, um, but I think it's always changing too. So I, I think there was never a point where I was like, now I have it found out. I think it's something for me that's, that's always evolving. Yeah. Yeah, because like what kind of stuff like what kind of stuff are you attracted to these days? What kind of assignments or um, like commercial work do you do you find yourself enjoying most, do you think? I would say I think there's a few different kind of 
angles that interest me. One is, is almost like a technical question. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other is, I think there's something really great happening now um, in commercial photography, which is that there, certain brands, and this has been going on for a while, but I feel like certain brands are a lot more open to creating, to shooting people and telling stories and, and selling whatever they're selling yep. um, with people who are not like traditional models or like mm. the like traditional beauty standard. Yep. Um, so, so one thing I really love to do, uh, I love, I love shooting commercial projects where we're shooting someone who might not have been traditionally thought of as like a model or someone who might, the interest, they bring a different interest to it from, from something that's not so traditional. Yeah. Um, and I love not only doing that in commercial assignments, um, or, you know, when there's a shoot where I, I am able to have some influence on the casting, um, but also just for my personal work too, I think, um, I've been, I've, I feel like I'm always seeking out, and this maybe goes back to that journalism thing, yeah. but just seeking out people who are interesting, um, and have a story to tell, um, and figuring out a way to capture that and tell their story. Yeah, I like that because it keeps like some honesty to it because like, as you know, like sometimes like advertising stuff can get very like overly polished and overly directed um, because that's that's the type of work I like is where it's like honest. um, It can be stylized to an extent, but I think, yeah, this keeping that honesty and real subjects um, because I was looking on your Instagram. um, I don't know if it was a personal project or a campaign, but you did a series of photos for. Uh, something called I think girl swirl which was like a group of like female skateboarders um, I was kind of curious what was that project all about yeah in the end of the day it was a very simple um, so that is a group of, um, of women skateboarders um, they, they some of them they have a group here in New York as well but they're also based out in LA um, and I actually knew just through random different ways, uh, a couple of the women who were kind of founders and part of that group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always followed them on Instagram and, and always just thought they were like a very cool, stylish group. Um, and, and looked like they were always having fun with what they were doing. Yeah. Um, and the story of that shoot was just super simple. I was, I was actually out in LA for an advertising shoot and happened to be there um, there, I, I think there was some like downtime. We were like scouting at the, on like a Thursday, Friday, and we weren't shooting till Monday. Um, so I just had like a free weekend in LA and they were having a meetup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I was able to just be a part of that and capture some images for them. That's cool. So it's basically, it's not like a company. It's just kind of like a, kind of like a non-profit or like, it's just kind of a, a group of people that like to skateboard and basically meet up. Is that kind of the, the gist of the program, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I, and I'm to be honest, I'm not the full expert on everything they do. So, yeah. uh, I'm not the best one to tell, yeah. but I do know they have some entrepreneurial, um, aspects of what they do. Um, I know they do have some merch. Uh, they also have, uh, some like outreach kind of programs mm-hmm. kind of doing good stuff in the world. Yeah. Um, and I think they're expanding too. I think they're actually kind of 
um, I've seen that they now have a group in San Diego and I think even doing stuff internationally. So I think there's a lot of facets to what they do. And yeah. I, to be honest, I don't totally understand all of it. Yeah, yeah. No, it was cool. It was a great series of photos. Like for myself, I grew up skateboarding, still skateboarding. I hadn't even heard about it. So it was really cool to kind of see that series. Um, and, you know, one thing I'm always kind of curious about is like you're talking about your you get to New York, you start getting some assignments for Village Voice, um, which is great. Uh, but how do you kind of make the step into getting more commercial work, where the bigger jobs, where you can you're making some more money? Um, how do you kind of make that transition from editorial to getting your foot into more of the commercial world? So I'd say uh, it started out just very. I I had a um, consultant named Amanda Sosa Stone, who was great. Um, and she just kind of put me on a very, I think a very kind of standard. It, to me, it seemed all new and brilliant, but I think just kind of helped me put together the very most standard building blocks mm -hmm. of marketing yourself as a commercial photographer. Yep. Um, so, you know, she suggested I, I get an agency access subscription. Uh, she hooked me up with a designer to design some postcards. Uh, she helped me with just kind of the edit and design of my website. Um, and from there, it was just the very traditional kind of outreach, trying to show my portfolio at ad agencies. Um, and a slow build up to that, really. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of kind of something that was a little bit of a turning point, um, I had been uh, reaching out to an ad agency called McGarry Bowen. Yeah. Um, and they had a project come across. Uh, so at the time, Verizon was one of their clients. Yep. And this was six or seven years ago. Um, and it was the time. It's, this is also a funny thing to think back how much things have changed. Mm -hmm. um, but it was when Verizon wanted to start making original content for their Facebook page. Okay. Um, and it was, and this at the time in the ad ad world, everyone was like, "Oh man, that's so crazy!" Everyone had basically just been kind of like reusing their campaign, you know, just kind of chopping up ads and throwing them on Facebook or something like that. Yeah. Um, but they wanted to do something with the ad agency where they were creating maybe two or three uh, posts of original content a week. Mm -hmm. um, and they essentially brought me on as a photographer to work with their creative department and the whole, I mean, the whole department that was servicing that account um, just to create imagery for Verizon over the course of the year. Mm. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So you're kind of like working with them pretty consistently then. It wasn't just like a one-off job, like a lot of times where you get hired by an agency. A lot of times it can just be a one-off thing, but it sounds like with McGarry Bone, it was kind of like a consistent thing for you for a little while. Yeah, it was. So I actually had like a, a retainer or a contract that I signed for a year. Wow. Um, to, to shoot for them for the year. And it was interesting too, because I think going into it, it wasn't, it wasn't fully clear how it was all going to work out. And they hadn't, they didn't hire me like, they in the same way they traditionally hired like an art director um, mm. for that same account. Mm -hmm. um, but I think kind of early on, I I felt like I was really a part of that creative team, mm -hmm. um, 
and that I, you know, that it also was a great opportunity to kind of be a part of the agency. Um, so I had like, I had a desk in the agency. Um, and when I wasn't shooting, if I was, you know, prepping for a shoot or, or whatever it might be, I would go in and be in the agency, uh, which I thought was a really great experience too. Damn, that's amazing. Yeah, because like, as you know, getting into these agencies for one meeting is like can be very difficult as a freelance photographer, um, getting to ha have a desk there. And I'm sure you got to meet a lot of people. I believe I think your rep now, Jamie, um, she was the art producer there. Is that kind of how you made the connection with her? Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my agents uh, are Jamie and Amy, and they actually both were uh were they were art buyers mm -hmm. and art producers at McGarry Bowen. Yeah. Uh so the way I I'm, I worked w with both of them on that project. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was one, you know, I met so many great people there and they, those two were definitely uh some amazing people to meet and something I'm really grateful that I had that opportunity. Yeah, and when they kind of started their agency um what is it it's beyond artists, right? Beyond artist management. Yeah, beyond beyond creative. Oh, beyond creative. Yeah. Um, what made you want to partner with the rep? Um, when did you kind of decide you needed to kind of make that jump? And like, how did you know they were kind of the right fit for you? I guess. I would say so. I actually so after that year when I was shooting for Verizon, um, I was interested uh in potentially working with an agent um and i actually so funny thing so jamie was an art producer at that time yep um she we sat down she kind of said hey i think you know now would be a good time in your career to be reaching out to agents and she made some intros for me um and one of them was uh, an agency called Bernstein and Drewley. Oh, damn. Big, um, big dog. That's the big dogs, man. That's the big dogs. Yeah. It was, I mean, they were, I, yeah, they were someone who I had always looked up to. Yeah. Um, so even just having that introduction was super exciting. Um, and then they took me on as a photographer. Wow. Um, so that was kind of three or four years. Um, and they were, they were great. They were, there was a lot of what's interesting about I, in my experience um, is when you're with a bigger agency like that. Yeah. Um, it's not just the name of the agency. It's also the specific agents you're working with. Mm -hmm. um, and when, when I started, I had kind of one specific agent who kind of was assigned with me mm -hmm. um, and she was lovely. And I think we both were kind of at a similar place both kind of earlier in our careers both excited to hustle um and she ended up leaving the agency yeah um and everyone else there was really lovely but i, I feel like you know if you if you're an agent and your phone is ringing non-stop uh of people who just want to work with your photographers yeah um you're maybe not putting the same Effort. you're maybe not saying oh who's this younger photographer whose book i should really be you know, pushing because he's at an earlier stage in his career. Yeah, um, yeah. Because at one point, I think Bernstein they they had like 
man, they must have had like 30, 40 photographers on their roster on top of like, I think they represented like hair and makeup stylists at one point and some other people. So yeah, I could imagine it'd probably be easy to get kind of lost in the mix sometimes. Yeah, I, I felt that there was a little bit of that happening. Um, right. I mean, I, I love those guys. I think they're great at what they do. Yep. Um, but that was definitely, I think, part of why um, going to Amy and Jamie made sense. They're, you know, in some ways, the complete opposite of that. They're oh. very, um, I think right now there are nine photographers roster, nine or ten. Um <laughs> Yeah, and so you know, obviously, there's a lot more of kind of an individual investment and a personal connection. Yeah, um, that we're able to have that that was maybe harder just based on the way that Bernstein and Julie was structured. Yeah, and like, what what is like for you? Like, what does the rep bring to the table for you? Because I think a lot of photographers listening, they probably get the idea that that if you have a rep, it means you're getting tons of work. Um, but a lot of times, that's really not the case. It's still up to you um, to get find clients. Um, but I guess like overall, when you're partnering with a rep, what are you hoping they're going to bring to the table for you? I think it's it's a variety of different things. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right that, and I mean, by now, maybe this is just an old school thought, but even I think, uh, when I, maybe in the days before <laughs> I was with Bernstein and Julie, mm-hmm. there was a time when, when the photographer made the work and the agent promoted it. Yep. Um, and, and the, I think the photographers didn't really need to spend too much time thinking about the promotion of the work because that was totally the realm of the agent. Uh, but I, yeah, for me, I think I never, I think the smart photographer these days will, you know, be a partner with their agent. They'll, they'll, they'll hope their kind of promotions are working synchronously together. Yeah. Um, but still will definitely be, you know, working on their own to, to make, not only make work, but, get it in front of the right people. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think one big thing that that working with Jamie and Amy has brought, um, and Bernstein and really before that, is just a certain, for these commercial jobs um, that can end up being, you know, for a brand, a pretty big investment. Yep. Um, I think just a level of trust um, that they can bring. You know, they've been in the industry, um, they're very seasoned people in the industry and I think you know people know them well and trust them um and I think there's a certain level of you know feeling that a photographer who was represented by them is someone who can be trusted with a big production yeah and I would imagine it's probably also good when you're bidding on these bigger jobs for like these uh, commercial campaigns it's good to have a level of uh, separation um between you and the client um, the, you can kind of just focus on, on your creative um, work and they can kind of handle the X's and O's of estimates and money and those more difficult conversations, I guess. Yeah, 100%. I yeah. think, you know, I think it would be very hard to have to pick up the phone and play hardball mm-hmm. on a negotiation. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, a week later be on set with that same person. Yeah. Um, and you know, trying to make sure they're you know that they're they're having a good time on set and feel like we're creating great imagery. Yeah. I think that's definitely, you know, there's almost a, can be kind of a good cop, 
bad cop element yep. as an agent at certain times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's very valuable for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, do you, being that obviously you're an artist, um, you create work for yourself on top of doing all these like uh, commercial campaigns and editorial. Um, do you feel like you need to like create work that will attract commercial clients or do you kind of this like create the work that you enjoy and just kind of put it out there and hope people react to it? Or what's kind of your approach to kind of balancing that like art and commerce? I, for me personally, I think, I operate in a world where I am aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get a lot of inspiration from other photographers, um, whether they are, I, you know, I'd say most of my focus professionally is in commercial work. Yep. Um, and I'm aware not only of what other commercial photographers are, are shooting, but, you know, people more in the art world, people in the fashion world. I think all of that inspires me. Um, but when I'm creating, when I'm doing a test shoot, I think, you know, there's an element where I want to bring my voice. I want to bring my inspiration to it, but I also want to shoot it in a framework where, uh, a brand that I want to be working with can see how that can, can be a part of their campaign or or fit into what they're doing. So I think it's a little bit of a, a mix for me. I'm not, I'm not just totally you know, trying to create something completely in a bubble. Um, but I also don't, I think there's a trap some photographers fall into where they, you know, they, they choose a brand who they really love and they look at what they're, they're creating and they, they try to produce exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, which I think is kind of a trap because they, you know, the, the creatives, uh, there, they don't want to create the same thing. They want to, they want to take maybe the general voice they have, but add something to it to see kind of what a photographer might have, you know, to elevate what they're doing or bring it in a different direction. Yeah, definitely. Cause they want to separate themselves from their competition, be it if it's Nike versus Reebok, uh, they want to find the, the new creative look and approach um, to kind of set themselves apart. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, like looking at your work, um, you kind of do a mix of things like you have a whole section on like lifestyle and fashion. You shoot on location and then as well as studio. Um, Do you have a preference? Like, do you like working in the studio versus location? Um, Is there a preference to one or the other, you think? I feel like no. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I think. There are times when I have, um, you know, rented a studio um, just for myself, basically for test shoots. Sometimes mm-hmm. we'll do like small client shoots in a, in a space like that. Yeah. Um, and those have been super fun times um, to be able to create uh, in, a, in a box, in a blank box in a way. Yeah. Um, but it's not, you know, they're always in the past. I've kind of come to a point where I said, all right, you know, it's time to not be shooting personal work in the studio anymore and they kind of make it out in the real world. Mm. So I think for me, there's a little bit, I I kind of bounce back and forth. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but um, I I definitely enjoy creating in both ways. No, it's interesting. And like, what about the fashion work? Do you, what do you like about that world? Is like the fashion, is that a type of photography you always kind of like were interested in or what about that type of work do you enjoy? You think? 
No, it's interesting um, in a way that you bring that up in a way too, because I recently kind of did a, a re-edit of my website. Yeah. Um, and I never had, I never considered myself a fashion photographer. Yeah. Um, and I never had a section called fashion on mm. my website. Um, but I realized that I have created a fair amount of work for for brands that sell clothing. So essentially, fashion work. Yeah. Um, and then also a lot of kind of my uh, the my the clients that I'd like to work for are also in that space. Yeah. Um, so so I you know now I have a section called fashion on my site. I don't know if that means I'm a fashion photographer <laughs> or not. Yeah. Um, but it's not, and I guess that's a little divergence of what your question was, but I guess that's part of what, even when you ask me how I like, you know, fashion photography is like, in some ways, a little bit of a loaded question for me. Yeah, and no, I get it. It's always like, it's like the toughest thing, like, to edit your work and present it on your website, because you've been shooting for a, a good time, amount of time, and you have, you build up so much work, and it's like something I even struggle with myself, um, because I put it out there, and people want to kind of put you in a box. Like they might want to say, Hey, you're a sports photographer or you're a fashion photographer. Um, so I get, it's always like a difficult thing. Like how do you approach editing your work for your website? You think that's a good question <laughs> because it's, um, because it's like, t it's like tough because you, you don't want to like try to cater to everybody. Cause then it just becomes like a smorgasbord of like, stuff i guess so it's like a hard balance like i know looking at your website you kind of broke it down into like four categories like lifestyle portraits fashion and you have some automotive uh, auto stuff so it's like yeah how do you kind of approach that stuff i don't yeah i mean i it's a tough it's tough to put in words yeah in a way for me yeah um i think and maybe that's why you know we're visual people mm -hmm. and we can sit down and, and look at a, a collection of images and, and hopefully figure out how they go together and how they make sense and how they tell a story. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're as advertising photographers, we're, we're in the world of commerce. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. seeing how they can tell a story that relates to, uh, the brands and the clients we want to shoot for. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I feel like that's not a great answer to your question just because, it's not really, I don't know, you know, what, what that process is other than it's looking at a, a, a mountain of work and just trying to put it together in a way that's cohesive and that, you know, when people are visiting your site, they can see how what you do could translate into creating an image for their brand, essentially. Yeah, I think it all makes sense, though. Like, even though you have all those different categories, it's still like a similar voice, like in the way that you shoot and the way you kind of light stuff. It, it all it all seems cohesive. I think it's like sometimes it's when you see people that are like one shoot, they're shooting food with like crazy strobe. And then the next next category on their website could be like like shooting a basketball game or something. And it's like. Not to say you can't do it, but a lot of times it can just, it, it doesn't seem like there's one voice for the photographer. I think for me, I think it's more about having a voice and an approach. Um, you can shoot whatever subject you want, but I think that's like, that's like the hardest thing to, to do as a photographer in my mind is like find a voice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. 
I mean, to me, one of my favorite examples of that is uh, Nadav Skander. Yep. And just how I feel like he has shot so many different things uh, for different reasons, you know, for fine art, for advertising work, for editorial work. But you can see that, that, that constant line of, like, who he is as a photographer through all of it. Yeah. Cause... Uh, and I think that's something... I mean, Avedon, Richard Avedon, too. Yep. Um, you know, a guy from a different era, but he he shot, you know... I mean, for him, too, fashion was, I think, kind of a little bit of a loaded term mm-hmm. for different reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, you just... His picture, whatever you, whether it was fashion or an amazing portrait, there was a certain through line that was not... It was partially his his technique, yeah, um, but it was partially just the way he saw the world, um, and I think that's what we all can, you know, strive for uh, as photographers is to, to be able to shoot such a variety of things, but bring our vision or, or some kind of like a an outlook on the world into it. Yeah, you're right. It is tough. Yeah, because yeah, Nadav is a good person uh, because you're right. Because you look on his website, he could shoot celebrity portraits, and then he's shooting landscapes in China, but they all have that like kind of like i guess the way what i view his work it's like kind of cold and dark but it all it all makes sense yeah yeah not not for sure and uh how do you what's your kind of approach to portrait shoots um being like we kind of mentioned like you shoot in studio and on location um do you kind of when you get an assignment do you kind of go in with a plan of exactly like what you want to execute each time and does it kind of uh, do you kind of uh, go off for that plan off script a lot or how do you kind of approach assignments? I would say, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting too, because I feel like my mindset right at this moment is so much in these virtual shoots. Yeah. Um, and these are even harder to go into with a plan yep. because you don't even know what like camera <laughs> you're shooting with, especially yeah. your you're maybe shooting with like a web camera or a, a yeah. phone or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't, I feel like there's, especially for like editorial work, I don't think there's too much. I definitely like to, if I'm shooting someone who's well-known, mm-hmm. um, for me, it's, I'm not, you know, shooting necessarily like movie stars or, or celebrities like that, but Oftentimes it might be an artist or someone. Yeah. Um, I do think it is is super useful to know their work, um, to even know a little bit of kind of the world they're in. So so, while it might be awkward to like try to talk an artist too much about their what they specifically do. Yeah. Um, just to be able to kind of have a common conversation, you know, about the world they're in, I mm. think it can be useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't necessarily go in to a shoot like that with too much of a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's more about reacting to the person in the location and all the other elements that kind of come into it. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. I, I would imagine like all these virtual shoots you're doing, it's like, it's almost probably got to be a really good exercise because it's like forcing you to really get creative and you don't have the luxury of like being able to do what you normally do. So I bet, I bet coming out of this, the next time you do like a normal shoot, it's going to feel like the weights are off or something. Like you, it's got to almost be, it's like training in a sense, you know? 
Oh, it, yeah, it totally is. It's very, I do think I'm lear- as a photographer, I'm learning something yep. through these. It's just like, I, you know, I was thinking of it earlier today. Like, if someone told you you had to do a shoot with like a, like a Mac webcam, yep. but you could be there in person, that alone would be super hard. Yeah. But now on top of that, you're like, the person who's operating that camera is like maybe maybe not super like technically proficient mm-hmm. uh there's just like so many complicating factors yeah um, it definitely makes you you know if i i i'm the kind of photographer who likes to shoot a lot okay uh, on an editorial assignment um but really at least in my experience so far for these portraits i can only get through maybe you know three or four different angles or setups you yeah. know, in an environment yeah so you really have to commit and like make sure it's a great shot uh you there are you don't have the luxury of having too many like throwaway shots or, or choosing angles that, that don't really work at the end of the day no nah, it's really cool man you got me uh, you got me inspired over here i want to try that myself it seems like an interesting challenge um but I guess to wrap up, man, like you've been doing this for a while. Like, um, what's next for you, man? Like, what's got you excited? I know you were doing all these virtual um, shoots, but I guess once this pandemic's over, is there kind of anything you're kind of hoping to work on in the future, I guess? I mean, I am very, I think we all are in a place where we don't quite know what mm-hmm. the future holds. Yep. Um, so, you know, I definitely, you know, I'm excited to be in a place where I kind of have some curated material. Um, I've been thinking of kind of specific uh, brands or agencies who work with certain brands who I'm excited to shoot with. And I'm excited to kind of, um, when the time is right, uh, be sharing some of my recent work with them. Yep. Um, but honestly, I think a lot of it uh, right now is just like we're waiting and seeing, you know, what, what's going to happen with the industry and what's going to happen with, with the world and, and hoping that uh, we can all get back to, to work doing something uh, fun and creative sooner rather than later. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, uh, Jacob, man, it's a real pleasure talking to you, and it's really good to hear you're still creating work even through this crazy time. Um, so I can't thank you enough. And uh, I guess for people listening, if they want to check out more of your work, um, where's the best place for them to go? Um, I'd say, uh, Jacob Pritchard, uh, my Instagram handle is just at Jacob Pritchard Perfect. or jacobpritchard.com, uh, my website. Perfect. I'll link it and people can go check it out. And, uh, thanks so much. So there you have it. That was the Jacob Pritchard interview. Just want to thank Jacob so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to him, especially the cool assignment he's been working on with the New York Times, shooting uh, virtual portraits via FaceTime and whatnot. Uh, Really interesting stuff. Um, So can't thank him enough. Definitely go check out Jacob's website at jacobpritchard.com, as well as his Instagram, at jacobpritchard. I'll put the link in the description, um, but definitely go give him a follow. He's always posting up new projects he's working on and whatnot. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, as well as on YouTube now. I've been video recording and kind of making little multimedia pieces with um, the interviews I do via video. So definitely go check me out on YouTube, as well as on my website, at alexgagnephoto.com, and at Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. 
Thanks so much for listening and take care.